Welcome to the Sisterhood of Healing podcast, the podcast that wants to help you reach your best and most divine potential. Each week, we dive into topics concerning inner healing, wellness, and spirituality. We discuss strategies and practice from our own personal experiences regarding higher energies, trauma, and connecting to the divine as we take you through our own personal journeys to discover the highest versions of ourselves. In combination with guest speakers, we bring you a comprehensive guide to mental and spiritual wellness and the ability to connect to yourself and the world around you on a deeper level. I'm Nicole. And I'm Christina. And we are two sisters who want to take you along on our spiritual and healing journey. We are each on our own individual healing and spiritual path and bring unique perspectives regarding yoga, chakra healing, meditation, intuition, and trauma healing. Sometimes life is messy, sometimes it's confusing, and sometimes everything falls perfectly into place. Join us as we navigate the path to divine enlightenment together. Hello sisters, brothers, and non-binary listeners to the Sisterhood of Healing podcast. On today's episode, we're talking hypnosis for healing with James Stephen. Welcome, James. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the podcast today. Real excited to be here. No worries. Super excited to talk hypnosis and and learn more about this. So thank you so much. So we'll get started. Um, If you can introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, uh, professionally, I'm a hypnotist and a practitioner of neurolinguistic programming. Uh, I specialize in helping people get over uh, breakups, relationships. Uh, I also help people with grief. And I also just help people build the identity that, you know, they they want and how to get them in touch using things like hypnosis and really shift that inner perspective to really shift the world around them and, you know, become the person that they want to be. Very cool. And what's your origin story? Like, how did you get into this? Because I don't come across very many people who know about this, let alone do it. Well, um, it, it starts, I guess, back, you know, as a, as a hobby uh, growing up as a teenager, I got into uh, street magic. I used to do card tricks, perform on the streets, perform in bars, just as a hobby. And uh, one of the bars I, I used to, I frequent uh, in the city I live in uh, the bartender brought up hypnosis one night and it just, something went off in my head where I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I started reading about it and it only took about six or seven days, but I came back to that same bar and I started uh, doing hypnosis in the bar on strangers. Um, so really the the first angle I approached hypnosis from was entertainment. Um, I was an entertainer and I, I still am. It's a you know, I still have the habit of bringing a pack of cards with me wherever I go. And, uh, you know, hypnosis, I, I got, interestingly enough, I, I found it difficult to hypnotize myself at first. But when I went to go get trained and certified in hypnosis, or when I was really like put in that place of trance and things like that, so much changed for me. And um, that's when I really just knew that, you know, this is something I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. And, uh yeah, that's sort of how I got into uh, where I am today, you know. Did you talk about hypnotizing yourself? Is that something you can do? Yes, actually. Uh, that is actually one tool I like to teach my clients. 
is self-hypnosis because I think it's one thing to help someone with a problem, but I think it's another thing to not only help them with that problem, but give them the tools to tackle future problems. You know, that's sort of my philosophy when I work with people. That's so neat. And is it the same technique, different techniques as you would if someone else was hypnotizing you or if you were hypnotizing someone else? Well, we, we're all different in the way we, you know, kind of process the world. So for certain people, um, certain inductions work better than others. Um, you know, like there's a very small, you know, sometimes they're my favorite client, but there's a small percentage of the population that are very suggestible. So the inductions aren't really complicated. It doesn't take long and they can get into a nice deep trance fairly quickly. Uh, for the rest of us, there are guided methods there there's ways uh, you know i tend to work online so most of the people i work with um it's a very guided process but if it's very similar to meditation in fact if you meditate or do anything of the sort um even doing yoga i would say uh you already have a skill into going into trance it might not be the same trance as hypnosis but it's you know a trance nonetheless hmm. That's really interesting. When what makes someone like more suggestible than someone else? Like how, like yeah. other characteristics? Is it just a greater willingness, a greater intuition? Like what is it? Well, that's the the interesting thing is there's real no there's there's not really any rhyme or reason. But uh, I'm not sure if any of you have ever seen a stage hypnosis show. Um, I know a lot of like colleges and universities have them. And the interesting thing is they take like 25 people up on stage and they do these exercises to like hone in on who's the most suggestible. And that's when, you know, by the end of the show, there's maybe only like five to eight people on stage because those are the people who are reacting, you know, um, the quickest to the suggestions. But once again, like I said, it, it, for, for most people, it can just be a guided process. And, you know, everyone's unique. We, you know, I'm, I'm very much, you know, I, I did education, education testing when I was young and I'm very much a verbalist. So when it comes to understanding concepts, you know, the verbal approach for me works really well with hypnosis, but for some other people, it might be um, something like kinesthetic or something visual or a combination of all three. So it, it really, that when there's, so many ways to induce hypnosis and if you practice enough you know types there, there's probably a method out there for you that's uh, worth trying hmm. that's so cool mm -hmm. i've definitely seen when i was in university every year they had i can't remember who it was but they had a hypnotist come every week to, or every year during frost week so those people mm -hmm. that were hypnotized they were legitimately hypnotized then mm -hmm. yeah it's it, uh, stage hypnosis is a bit of a different uh, like i wouldn't say it's the same as something more related to healing um because i also think there there's a there's an aspect of trance but there's also an aspect of context where it's like well i'm on stage everyone's goofing off so so there's a bit more of a drive to to match the behaviors but um still a lot a lot of the mechanisms are, are the same um for the inductions so yeah what are those like standard mechanisms uh, for inductions? Well, uh, one of the ones at least, um, you know, and I would use the same, same methods in street hypnosis. One would be like clasping uh, the hands together and getting the, the subject to look at their fingers. And I would say, you know, like 
really squeeze your hand tightly. And the interesting thing is uh, when you do that, your fingers naturally uh, will start to move closer. And we're using that as a window, but rather than saying like, oh, this is what's actually happening, you suggest that, you know, you have some power over it or being like, yeah, with your mind. And, and it, it opens up that little bit of suggestibility where, you know, that critical part of the person's brain is going like, wait, well, something might be going on here, you know? So it's, uh, that, that was certainly one of my favorites. Uh, there's another one with uh pattern interrupts actually and pattern interrupts are probably the most visual flair on um, stage hypnotists do them street hypnotists do them and it's when they go in for a handshake and they kind of like they'll they'll yank the gently if they're you know doing it properly they'll they'll sort of interrupt the handshake pattern and tug on their wrist and maybe say a command like sleep and what that does is it creates a spike in brain activity where you've just been interrupted, you know, because like naturally if someone sticks their hand out to you, you, um, you know, culturally we have that impulse to do the same, right? And if you were to interrupt that, um, all of a sudden your, your brain's kind of like, wait, what, what should I do next? And that's when they can just um, step in. And give a suggestion. Uh, you want something that's even more that happens naturally with no hypnotist there is what has ever happened to your train of thought when you walk through a door and you go to pull it open and it's a push door. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just like your your internal dialogue, whatever it is it comes to a screeching halt because your program that you're using, that your mind is using, that pattern that it knows all of a sudden just it misfires so that that is actually an, another you know another way to induce hypnosis and suggestibility hmm. really I'm, I'm just like wow so cool i'm thinking of the movie um inception right now how they go down like so mm -hmm. many levels and there's always like a kick that jars someone awake or there's they always have to like figure out like that one moment that's what i'm thinking of with the interruption so so interesting so maybe they uh yeah. in that movie they took a little bit of something from hypnosis and that actually there there's a great um great thing about hypnosis actually is is metaphor and story you can tell stories in an induced trance as well and it's very fascinating that you brought up inception because um there's something called stacking realities and the idea of uh telling a narrative where you start a story and you tell about 50% of the story or 60%. And then you start a new story, you tell 60% of that. You start a new story, you tell 60% of that. And by the time you get to the fourth layer, you are just talking directly to the subconscious mind that you can then wrap up that story, wrap up the other story, wrap it up and like tie a little bow on it. And uh, the mind will lock that away very much exactly like the bottom inception. Hmm. Um, so that's yeah that is fascinating um, mm -hmm. huh so how important is the subconscious then when it comes to hypnotism or like healing from hypnotism well you know the subconscious is or the unconscious i, I told to go with that and, you know for most people it's very shameful i mean it really takes everything that you're not conscious of right now you know i mean from digesting your food to beating your heart you know, these are all things that your body does with no 
awareness. You know, maybe if you're really good at meditating, you can slow your heart or things like that. But um, yeah, it, it's it has access to all the, you know, the functions of the body. And when we really think about that, you know, I've, I've actually done work in a taxi parlor where I've induced anesthesia by suggestion. Um, and once again, for any skeptics out there of like, hypnosis isn't real or it's all made up highly uh, recommend them they look into medical hypnosis or surgery hypnosis because you'll see people who are wide awake with no anesthesia completely cut open and talking and, and things like that it, it's such a fascinating thing so the unconscious mind is really like everything you're not consciously aware of there's a bit of a rule in hypnosis that we're on average about aware of about seven to nine things maybe five to nine things at once and then the rest kind of sits in our um, unconscious hmm. that's so cool so much about the brain we don't know and i think hypnosis kind of proves that yeah it's certainly what i like to think of like the, it's like the weird mysterious uh, magical sister of of uh psychology you know yeah well S sigmund freud originally uh, was trained to be a hypnotist uh back in the day before he got into his current field so yeah. that was a uh, yeah it was a very interesting time because in the early days of hypnosis were there were, were about animal magnetism mesmerism in fact like anton mesmer the, the guy who um you know, thought, you know, they, they used to rub their hands or create these magnetic fields and, and they realized, you know, at the time, uh, oh, it's it was just a, a placebo effect. But what they didn't realize is it wasn't a placebo effect. It, it sort of was, but it was much more of a suggestion and a suggestible effect. And once again, you know, um, Anton Mesmer was a guy who, who was uh, back in the day doing like bloodletting um, for one of his patients and he forgot his blood clotting magnets and uh what they used to do is run magnets over wounds and they clot but the thing is the magnets didn't do anything it was the suggestion that they would clot which caused the uh wounds to clot and the blood stopped flowing so anton mesmer uh just decided to pick up a stick and wave a wand over over the wounds and and once again just through suggestion and you know the patient's blood clotted so it, it was very uh rather than him thinking like oh i must this must be suggestion and he thought i am the great mesmer i have special powers but you know <laughs> so it did fall out for a while um with the scientific community but in the early 20th century it started to get a lot more traction hmm. so how do you use hypnosis on your clients um like what does a typical session look like um, it, it really varies uh, depending on what the client needs. You know, uh, I like to generally, uh, you know, I don't really want to have a client that keeps coming back. I, I kind of want to get them through the process and equip them with what they need as soon as possible. Um, so I, I tend to do about two to three sessions uh, with the client. Um, and really, yeah, it, it depends. I mean, I've also... You know, I, I work with, like, example, grief, for example. Grief is a very natural part of life, obviously. Um, and sometimes 
we get stuck in it, you know, um, just like a, a bad breakup, you know, we, there, there's time to mourn, there's time to process the emotion. And then sometimes there's a part of us that just can't really let it go. And as much as we try to think about it, you know, and uh, I had a client uh, a year ago who um, was a great client, very uh, great at going into trance. Uh, but she had lost uh, two family members and was having nightmares and, you know, constantly seeing them in their dream. And they're really having a difficult time of letting go. And uh, we just did one session and I, I followed them up uh, the next week and they uh, were finally sleeping well again. And I even followed them up a, a week later after that. And they, they began dating again. Um, after you know all this loss that they experienced and, and once again I, I think um you know emotions whether, whether it's from our traumas as children or you know you know the pat the negative patterns we have uh i think hypnosis is a really great tool on telling that other part of the body the emotional part of the body the feeling part of the body that it's okay to let go you can let go and um so yeah, they, for in that example, that's like a one-off session that that worked out great. Um, you know, other clients I work with, yeah, two or three times. Um, that's a, on average what it takes, but um, depending on what we're working with, it, it can take a little more, sometimes less. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of a case by case basis. And how long is a typical session, or is that again case by case? Yeah, it, it is uh, case by case. I mean, once again. Um, <laughs> When uh, I hit the lottery and I get that, you know, super easy to go into trance um, client, you know, sessions can last for anywhere from like 10 to 30 minutes. Um, granted, you know, when I do my consultations, I, I do spend a lot of time on those. So I, I, I don't, I, I, before we even do the session, I, I generally talk to the person about their issues. Uh, for about an hour or even 90 minutes. And um, that's that really is when we figure out what we need to do, what we map out and what, whether, you know, they need that, um, you know, two sessions, three session package or yeah, it's just a one-off session. So that's really the, the process. And in like, when you're helping, like maybe just to clarify for listeners and I'm curious too, like when you're helping your clients, um, helping them process really difficult emotions like grief or loss or, or uh, what have you. It's your help. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're helping them actually like process it and unblock things. You're not just like helping them forget. So they don't have to deal with it. No, 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 no. It's, it's a process of letting go. Um, and, you know, grief and, and breakups are, there's a slight bit overlap, right? You know, you know, a person's no longer something one important in their life is no longer with them. And um, whether that's by tragedy of death or accident or just natural causes, or, you know, the person is out of their life for whatever reasons, uh, we, we go through this process, this like detoxification, uh, emotional, you know, process. And some, for some people, um, you know, they get over things fast. For other people, um, it takes a long time. And it's, once again, it's normal to feel lost it's normal you know to dwell on these things for a period of time and you know i i wouldn't ever recommend just like you know having a bad breakup and then 
going right to a hypnotic trance to say, I'm, I'm going to cut all the cords with this. And, you know, <laughs> but once again, it, it's when that person, that client or that person I'm working with feels like, you know what, it's been long enough. I'm ready to let go. And in fact, if you are thinking of seeking a hypnosis session, whether, whether that's for me or any other hypnotist out there, like your mind is already ready to start making shifts on a subconscious level that uh, you might not even be aware of it, but, you know, it's the idea of seeking help. And, and you know, the, the great thing about hypnosis and in my personal experience in life is that our brains are like filter, filtering pattern systems. And when we have these really repeating patterns of, about, you know, whether it's our thought patterns, you know, who we think of ourselves to be, you know, the mind will prove it. You know, what the thinker thinks, the prover will prove. And I think that prover is sort of the unconscious mind at times. So, um, yeah. So uh, what are some questions that people can ask themselves to shift their thoughts on their own? Um, well, it depends on the issue. But uh, I, I know with, you know, people, you know, I work with people who sometimes have a ne negative self-image or working on self-esteem or even building self-esteem after, you know, relationships. And um, a lot of people who are very anxious, uh, which, hey, I, I'm in that camp. You know, I, I can I can jump 50 steps ahead in the worst direction, like a chess master. Um, only it's only it's not useful. And in fact, that is a phrase of power that I use a lot is how is that useful? Because I think uh, whether you're an anxious person or just your average person, there's been those times that we get caught up and we start to worry and that worry starts to snowball. And how often has that worry actually manifested or panned out? Almost never. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think a really big change over the past 10 years in um, understanding how the mind works and understanding how the brain works is uh, something called neuroplasticity. And it's that idea that, um, you know, like our brains are kind of like snow, you know, you know, it's like a thing of snow where if you go down one path enough, it'll start to form and be easier to go down and faster to go down. And that's both negative and positive. And when we can start to build a new path, um, neurons that there's the same uh, called Hebb's, in Hebb's law called neurons that fire together eventually wire together so if you are a person struggling and this isn't even just hypnosis this is just brain science if you are a person struggling with anxiety or self-esteem and if you're able to create that power phrase and if you just practice it once a day when you hear that negativity spring up it'll start to slowly build and you know like i i, I preach this stuff because i've gone through it you know and it took me about three weeks but i went from thinking about it once a day to having this new neural network grow and grow and grow until really like my brain had the option. Should I feel good or should I worry and feel bad? Guess what my brain decided to start choosing, you know? So that's another, uh, I think, big thing that, you know, uh, hypnosis can actually help in. Um, because when, when the brain goes into trance, it actually grows new neural connections the same way it does when it goes to sleep. Is it like a, an accelerated rest hypnosis or is it just like the same level of sleep? 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's not like I'm putting a person to sleep because there there is a waking aspect to it, but but uh, the brainwave um, is very similar. And once again, like, um, well, what's a great example? Oh, problem solving. You know, I, I mean, it's everywhere around the world. How you know, it's always like, let's sleep on it. You know, um, if you've ever had a puzzle, you've worked with. You know, like I, I play video games from time to time, and sometimes there'll be a puzzle. And I, I work with the configurations and I can't figure it out. And, you know, I, I rack my brain, I rack my brain and my, my mind knows what I'm focusing on. And then I, I walk away from it. I go to sleep. I come back maybe a day or two later and I try out this puzzle. All of a sudden there's just a click and I find out the configuration that, and it seems so obvious. And it's like, wow, how, how'd that happen? And actually, hypnosis is, is really good for accelerated learning. Um, and that is another thing that I'm, I'm currently, ex I, I like to experiment on myself, but that there is something with a deep trance identification um, where in during the Cold War, the Soviets actually experimented with Russian music students. And they got the music students to um, go into trance, live the lives of their... Um, virtuosos in their instruments and then come out of trance and um sort of the, this tapped into that part of the monkey see monkey do part of the brain the the mirror neurons is what they call them and the kids who are or the musicians who went through this process versus a controlled group that didn't performed much much better so so it is very much so a learning tool um and that that you know, almost like playing pretend and trance will actually enhance you in so many ways. Really, it's a way to interface with that part of your body that just knows how to do things, you know. And so they were living in trance. So they were mm -hmm. under a state of hypnosis for mm -hmm. like in their day, like going about their daily lives. Yeah. Oh, not no, not like walking around like uh, in a daydream, but like they would have sessions. And in these sessions, um, you know, they, they would imagine that they were like living, you know, kind of in the same way you can remember your whole life in sort of like a quick slideshow in your head. And in fact, this mechanism, uh, deep trance identification, it's even more powerful the more you know about the, the person you want to emulate. So if there's if there's someone who inspires you, whether that's a musician um, or political figure or a writer, um, if you want to really tap into their genius in a way uh one of the things you can do is like walk, watch a biopic on them re read a book written by them and the more information you have the more of that you know monkey see monkey do part of your brain is going to be able to pick up on it you know when i was a teenager i used to watch music videos of uh good you know of my favorite bands and even though the uh the the guitar fingering positions weren't always visible in the shots i would be able to pick up on them for some reason even not really having any ear training because once again it's that part of you know the tapping in our unconscious mind to speed up our learning because our unconscious mind has so many resources you know um and and when you get to interface with it and and, and become friends with your unconscious it, it really you can build a great relationship and, and use it as a really powerful tool hmm. yeah the, i think <laughs> we are so unaware of the things that we 
unconsciously do that we've been like programmed to do. And I think just being made aware of those little things can make such incredible shifts. But I was going to ask you something. I was thinking of something when you were talking um, about clients and, and, you know, when you're ready, when you're ready to come in for a session, that's your mind kind of being in the right state. What happens if you have a client or I mean, hypothetical, perhaps you've never had a client in this situation, but if you have a client who's, you know, frustrated because, you know, they're stuck with X, Y, or Z um, mm-hmm. and they come in and they're like, I need this fixed, but they're not willing to make the changes in their outside mm-hmm. life. Can, can you still work with their subconscious on that level? Like does hypnosis still help them? I don't, I don't know if that's um, a realistic question. Well, that, but... No, no, that, that is a good question. Actually. Um, I, I tend, well, which is why I actually, one of my consultation processes tends to be like an hour to 90 minutes is I, I want to hammer things out because I, I will um, turn down clients when, when I think they uh, won't, that, you know, that hypnosis isn't really the tool they need at that moment. Um, I myself don't practice it, uh, but, you know, a lot of hypnotists do, uh, it, like quitting smoking, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, you know, when I started my journey as a hypnotist, I, I did a lot of hypnosis for friends and uh, I had a friend who was like, okay, I want to quit smoking but I don't want to pay for it. But if I, if I, if you do a session with me and then at the end of the month, I quit smoking, then I'll pay all this money. And I'm like, okay, here, here. <laughs> you already have five different reasons uh, why you don't want to have this change. So, you know, I'll, I'll, that, that issue tends to spring up with uh, clients who are sort of there not because they want to be, but maybe their, their, their spouse or their partner or someone in their life is like, you should go do, you know, they're kind of kicking and dragging their feet. And, and you know, you, you can help them. But once again, um, I think, we're, you know, the key to being a good hypnotist is, is finding the, the right clients um, for you. And there might be clients out there who, who don't jive with me and that's totally fine. Um, and yeah, some, sometimes I've had calls uh, for really strange requests uh, from people who I don't think understand what uh, hypnosis is. Uh, I've had one person call uh, call me about aliens, uh, saying like they saw an alien. I was like, oh well, I, you know, <laughs> I may not be the right uh, one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not an alien hunter or something like that, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so so that's generally how uh, I I deal with that issue because it doesn't really spring up. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> does fear of change ever make it more difficult for people to kind of tap into, you know, the, the type yeah. of feeling that they do with you? Yeah, well, you know, fear of change is whether good or bad is is what I think what holds it back a lot of people. You know, a lot of people are comfortable with their current situation, even if their current situation isn't good or good for them. Um, familiarity is even negative familiarity is still familiarity. And, you know, our, our once again, our brain is being pattern machines. When we uh, step outside of our normal patterns, it's, it's real, you know, it takes a it, it's a massive cognitive load on us emotionally. And I think, uh, you know, 
like one, one, one great example of this is like walking down the streets you know in the city you live in it's very familiar doesn't like you know and, and you go to bed and it's you're going about your day but if when you go on a vacation and you walk through a new city like it, it's you know and you try to go to bed you know, it, you know you don't get as deep of sleep because the brain is just you know processing so much and in fact there's even been studies where like they they'll do like small changes on streets that people know and you know you could walk by a shop a hundred times and they could like change something like the, the color of the letters or the sign and you wouldn't pick it up because once again your brain is just it's so focused on um you know like the little bits of that it can consciously be aware of so you know you can slip by you know changes and as a magician this is something that like i do take advantage of uh with sleight of hand you know um when when you behave you know when, when i speak in my hypnosis i don't know but if i have sort of a scripted thing with a trick or, with, with performing a magic trick you know um i can use those little gaps in awareness uh to my advantage uh where you know if i look someone just by looking someone in the eye i found as a magician will take their focus off whatever you're doing hmm. um so yeah it, it is really like just circling back to what you said yeah like as far as like fear of change uh you know hy hypnosis can really help shift that i think or, or at least keep us open um because another mechanism of that uh, technique where where you um emulate the genius of, of someone you respect you can use that same technique on the ideal you because I think everyone has that person that they know they or they wish it's like the dream you know you know the you that solved all of your problems the you that's achieved all your dreams and you, if you can become aware of that you you know exactly the steps you need to take uh to get there those steps are very scary but um you know uh, sometimes big changes need to happen like drastically uh and i, I only say that sometimes because i think what's more effective for changes are small changes that then exponentially grow that, that that's another way around it i would say in my research hmm. i guess they all like all compound if you can't do something like if you're not maybe able to access a big change or ready for a big change then yeah all those little things kind of mm -hmm. build up on top of each other yeah no I, I another great metaphor um is you know to a plane takes off two planes stay off from an airport and you're looking at them one plane makes a six degree turn to the left and the other plane you know doesn't you wait one minute those planes are still very close to each other but six hours those planes are going to be on completely different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And once again, but yeah, once again, uh, me slipping into metaphor, uh, met metaphor and hypnosis actually go hand in hand. It's, it's that idea of, um, I think language. And th that's another thing I do uh, practice, you know, neurolinguistic programming. Um, it's a bit of a mouthful uh, to explain, but you know, the base of it being, um, uh, the the founders, um, John Grinder and Richard Bandler, were able to codify the language of, of really effective therapists, one of them being 
Milton Erickson, who was a hypnotherapist. And it's like they found that, you know, the language and stories is actually how we can really, you know, think of the last movie that really touched you. Was there probably something that you've experienced in that? Um, and maybe it's a one-to-one. Maybe you can really, you know, uh, empathize with the character. Maybe they've gone through something you uh gone through or or even if that's not the case that something they say but it, it just resonates with you and in fact that's that's hypnosis as well in fact hmm. so much of our lives are, are actually hypnotic that uh once we realize you know like what what are the things that speak to us that are conscious like you know mind let's slip past and then touch us on a much more emotional level you know Hmm. I was just gonna say I feel like I'm gonna leave this conversation and just like be thinking about everything I do and how it relates to hypnosis I actually was thinking of something Nicole and I have had this conversation many times many times when we're together driving in the car but when we have driven the same route day and day out day and day Mm -hmm. and then for like a minute and a half chunk of time you're like whoa how did I get here I i was I not paying attention yeah. to the road? What is going on? Because you're so used to doing that. That's the per- that, 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 that's a perfect example of trance. Um, I mean, like, we don't want to get to the bottom of this whole interview. You know, like, what is hypnosis? What is trance? And it's it's a relaxed state of focus in which that critical, um, you know, they call the critical faculty kind of takes a backseat and you just, you're able to take in information that you otherwise might be critical of. You know, um, the critical factor is something that, like, as children, we don't really have, you know, under the age of eight. If you tell a five-year-old that there's a dragon outside, they're going to they're gonna check. <laughs> if you tell us, you know, if you tell an adult, um, at least if they're sober, you know, they're not going to check. They, they, they're <laughs> going to know. They, 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 yeah, they have that frame of reference. But um, that's also another reason why, like, children and, and teenagers uh, – learn so fast because their brains are so neuroplastic they, they can have those new um networks just spread out so much faster versus um us we're all neuroplastic but just kids they're like a superpower yeah. and um you know so so really when, when i am working with people with hypnosis it, it, it's kind of fascinating because suggestion is can just be a simple aspect of, of guiding so you know if you're listening to this podcast right now um you know you might not be aware of it until i say it and really what, what if you're aware of your left foot that's in your sock you might be physically aware of that now you your, your body always knew it was there but i've just happened to guide your focus um to that point so really um that's another example of, of like hypnosis suggestion things like that hmm. so just bringing bringing your awareness to things you haven't really noticed before and that's what kind of makes mm-hmm. you make all those connections mm-hmm. but like without the critical component right like just mm-hmm. having that awareness yeah yeah and 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 um you know it's funny yeah. like I also I found you know I've studied spirituality I guess and a bit of like out there philosophy and, and in my early 20s uh I was really uh, moved and interested by the writings of Robert Anton Wilson. And he uh, writes extensively about these things called uh, reality tunnels. 
Um, and, he, and he's a very, he was a very funny man. He never took himself seriously, which I think was made the the rating of his work so, so much uh, more enjoyable. And he says, you know, as much as reality, our reality tunnels feel real, you, you can't take them too seriously. It's your own BS, your own belief systems, but it's your own BS. And uh, I, I think, you know, using techniques like meditation, um, yoga, breathing techniques, you, you can widen those tunnels and, you know, be open to new new belief systems, new information. And once again, like the thinker thinks what the prover proves. And you spend enough time in certain thought loops, you're, you're going to start to see um and, you know, it's really like, if you can believe it, your brain's going to show it to you. So it's really like a fake it till you make it kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like the first, when, when I went from not being a hypnotist or from, from just being a magician to a hypnotist, I, I, I think I announced on my social media, I was just like, hey guys, you know, I do uh, magic. Well, I'll do hypnosis now. And just under that pretense, I... The person I walked up to saw me a thousand times before, and when I boom put them in a trance, I was just uh, like, "Oh, that worked," <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's certainly it's fascinating what the mind can you know be brought to believe. You know, whether that's people goofing off on stage or someone letting go, you know, something painful or. Uh, getting closer to that ideal self hmm. so if people wanted to or if our listeners wanted to practice a little bit of hypnosis at home to help them along their journeys like what is something little that they could do uh well you know what there you know um youtube has countless uh guided meditations and uh, if you have no, I, I would say maybe start there. If you have no experience with meditation, um, I think guided meditations are, are very good. Uh, philosopher Alan Watts has a great guided meditation um, with music and without music. And, and these people, they're also in their own way. They're great hypnotists. So uh, bring your, your mind to that peacefulness and that stillness. But uh, you also can find guided hypnosis um tracks on on youtube um and they're very uh once again very useful on, on getting started and re really um it's just about trusting the process and even when that critical part of your brain says that you know if you can just once again what why i think meditation is good when you, you realize that's your ego talking that's the you know defensive part of your brain not, not wanting the shift if you can just let that you know, that's just knowing that's just static. Um, I think you can get a lot of benefit um, just from that. So how has hypnosis changed your life or has it at all? Oh, well, yeah, it, it changed. Um, it's funny that when I first hypnotized someone, um, I felt what on an, I felt a shift on energy. Um, I felt like uh, the only thing I can really describe it is it felt like a lightning bolt um, shot up my spine. Mm -hmm. And I, I've never had an experience like that uh, before or since, but it, it was, 
you know, uh, ever since going on that journey, um, like I said, I, I was able to um, just grow as, as a person in a way where even, even the people in my life, my family, my friends uh, saw me do a 180, you know, um, and, and really just being able to take control um, and adapt. And, and I think hypnosis is great for that. It's a tool. You build a relationship with your unconscious mind. Uh, you know, it's, there's a misconception out there that, you know, it's this thing that if you think of the wrong thing, it'll screw you up. No, it, it always has your highest good in mind. It always has the best intention. Even if it's a maladaptive, if you have a maladaptive coping techniques, it's not because your unconscious mind wants to harm you. It's not, it's, it's just it, the intention is there. So when you, when you build that and when I've learned to build that, you know, and tap into that, um, whether my, my anxiety, you know, if I get anxious or something like that, when I can tap into that and really, um, once again, just grow, program myself and interface with myself. Um, I, I really think, you know, when, when there's religions and spiritual systems that talk about that higher will, you know, that, that true will, that, that per, that ideal self, I think hypnosis, uh, can be a tool to achieve that, you know, um, it's it, it re really does extend your willpower to access parts almost just like control over your nervous system you know uh, if i from becoming the person i want to be to freezing out my uh, arm when i'm getting a tattoo it's it's such a versatile uh, tool so it really, really the sky's the limit hmm. That's so. interesting that you said you can freeze your like like um, mm -hmm. hypnosis like mentally subconsciously freeze your, mm -hmm. your arm when you're having a tattoo. I've heard about monks who um, are in like such a deep state of meditation that they they don't feel pain. Oh yeah, press all that. So it's interesting. I, I wonder if and I've not read anything that compares the both, but I'd like to see like mm -hmm. how they're both working similarly and like you've said like meditation hypno hypnosis are really similar but it'd be yeah. so interesting to see like a brain scan to see the, what parts of the brain are actually there is a, there is a hypnotic state trend like i don't tend to use like level like digital levels of trance where it's like oh they're at level three and at level three this phenomenon happens we're, we're analog beings and, and you, you can have extremely deep trance phenomenon happen very light levels of trance and you can have people who are like at the very basement of trance uh, but there is there is a process of hypnosis um, where you can reach what is called the Edisdale state the Edisdale state is where you know I, I was in my training I was put into it and I was guiding other people into it and what we would do is we would pinch a nerve on each other's arms when we would uh get them to that state it's a very pain i forget where it is but somewhere on your forearm it's not a comfortable thing to be pinched at all and like if you were to pinch it the way we were it would be extremely painful and uh when i went into that state uh someone was just like do you feel that and i didn't i just it felt like my, my, my feet were on the ground my arms were on the chair i had no idea that my arm you know you could actually get lynn catalogs my trainer, uh, Mike Vindell, uh, is a great hypnotist, great trainer. If you're actually ever interested in learning, I highly recommend you um, people check him out. And he would have people's arms kind of lifted up in the air, frozen, and it you know, looked like people were riding like 
big wheel choppers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's it's just one of those things that uh, you know um, I, I'm even aware of monks, certain monks, even like Qigong masters, being able to like heat water with their hands, or they'll even have competitions now where you know they'll put like wet towels on themselves and try like and they can dry them. <laughs> the competition is like who can get their towel dry dry first and what? you know a, a lot of this stuff was was written off as like mumbo jumbo but um uh hoff wim hoff now you know uh in a lot of cities around the world you, you can learn this guy uh, wim hoff where like through his breathing techniques you can like swim in ice water feel fine so it's it's really like once again you know i, I think hypnosis is like a it, it's it's an approach to to the human mind that i think um isn't too far shy of much much more ancient approaches hmm. i i have so many i have so many thoughts so many questions so many like Go so right I studied history in university and I took the classics. And when you learn about the, um, oh my goodness, what are they called? The oracles. You learn about the oracles. Like a lot of them were on drugs and that's how they were like making these prophecies. But I also wonder how many of them, because a lot of them were in trance too. I wonder how many of them were in hypnotic trances versus just. Well, yeah, I, I think those oracles, didn't they have like, gas a gas leak somewhere or they, they hung out on a mountain <laughs> I think that was part it was of just it like too. there was a bunch of gas that they were essentially huffing 24 7 yeah and that's where the real historical you know, you know that's 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 what snopes need people on a mountain you know uh what, what's your source oh the, the gas leak but uh yeah it, it's 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 really interesting like historically speaking because i i think in ancient Egypt, there, there was these things called like sleep temples and, and they would have uh, like serpents in them. And, and the idea would be like, you go to this temple to be healed. And, uh, you know, back in ancient times where, you know, medicine isn't very advanced, but the idea of like going to this temple where it's a very, the context is there for a person to have all these expectations and they go to sleep in the healing temple, then they wake up and maybe their affliction is, is gone, especially if it's something that is, you know, physically based uh, or psychosomatic, you know? Um, and, and that's, yeah. And, and that goes really like the, the healing aspect of trance, whether it's called hypnosis or not. I, I think that's an ancient, ancient thing. I, I think as long as we've been alive and telling stories and prayer and, and things like that you know and, and i see a lot of overlap too you know um we have prayer you know people who pray in the morning and at night there are very big benefits to that not not just psychologically speaking but but in the context of like suggestibility mm-hmm. how you tend to be more suggestible right when you wake up in the morning and right before you go to bed and um i think uh i really i'm I'm sure both of you are aware of like the importance of of gratitude whether you believe that for spiritual reasons or not um like one thing i like to do with with what i talk about you know depending on my clients who are more let's say 
scientific and material. I'll, I'll shift to more like of that sanitized uh, clinical language, but um, really you're tuning your brain to be grateful. And that's a filtration thing. And, and people who are lucky, people who are grateful are actually going to see more opportunities around them. And, and it's a filtration system. And once again, like when do people practice prayer? When do people practice gratitude? To have the biggest effect, in my opinion, do it in the morning when you're waking up, doing it at night, you know, um, those, those mantras, those things you chant to yourself, that idea of like, I am thankful for this or I, I am that, you know, when you kind of chant that and you drift off into sleep, your, your brain starts to be like, okay, that, that's, you know, like that's my reality. And, and um, it doesn't, and, and whether you want to do that for like reality manipulation techniques or whatever you might call them, or just if you want to feel good, you know, uh, gratitude, you know, through, through that lens is another filter that you can apply. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly like the, the right kind of, I think when we ask the right kind of questions to ourselves, um, well, as I said, like the thinker thinks and the prover proves. And when, when you ask the right questions, the prover, that's when your unconscious starts to worry for you the most. Actually taking action on those things. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll, I'll actually, I'll, I'll, I want to impart, um, I think a really fun thing in wisdom. Now, now the law of attraction, which is something very popular over, over the past 10, 15 years, there is actually a part of your brain that um, is sort of responsible for that. And that's the reticular activating system. And it's literally like the pattern filtration system part of the brain. And Christina, if, let's say you were at a uh, bar and there was rooms full of people talking, a lot of noise, a lot of stuff to like sift through, and someone calls your name, boom, out of all that chaos and all that noise, your name was able to be called. So when it comes to um, asking the right questions to get the right answers, um, you know, asking the question why some, you know, why is an information gathering question, obviously, but it can actually have a negative effect depending on the context. Now, what, you know, like the, what, why is that building on fire? That's a pretty good question <laughs> to ask, but, um, why is this if always you ask, happening to me or yeah, yeah. Why is this always happening to me? Why is this, you know, uh, you know, like, like, why is this, why do you always leave this and that? You know, there there can be some use for that, but if that's a question that you tend to use a lot, you're going to be getting your unconscious giving you more and more information to support that question. Yeah. So if you, if you think to yourself, "Why am I so stupid?" Your mind's going to give you all. You know, we all have those memories where we did something dumb. <laughs> but if you ask yourself, um, "How?" That is such more of a productive question, um, and it once once again it, it filters information for us through our brain where like how can i become more effective in my communication how can i uh, improve my life today how can i and, and that's going to give you all the answers that you the most at least actionable and healthy answers so that's another um, aspect of i think i think the mind and hypnosis that that people should take into account so gratitude's not just about uh, learning to feel blessed, but actually about making that literal mind shift. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's all about asking those rare questions and, and stuff like that. And I think once again, you know, um, I sometimes like to future pace my clients with hypnosis where I'll give them post-hypnotic suggestions where they might feel that sense of gratitude when they notice that that light change. And, well, what's a light change? Uh, something very common that, you know, you walk down the street, you're going to see a bunch of lights change. Um, if you see a stop sign and, and sometimes I can actually pace um, my clients upcoming experiences to have a more positive effect you know so that's another thing hmm. so does that work with if you have clients that are triggered by certain things are you able to mm -hmm. kind of shift their mindset that if you can identify the things that they're triggered by kind mm -hmm. of reverse that is that something that yeah that's uh i don't tend to necessarily specialize in that but in, in neurolinguistics uh nlp there is something called anchoring and there are ways to like re-anchor things um i think the uh, swish method is, is a famous one then tony robbins uh used to use it but it's the idea of sort of bringing up a stimuli bringing up the stimuli and then bringing up another memory that kind of overrides that memory and linking them together uh through certain stimuli and that can on a neurological level as i said earlier you know if the brain has an opportunity to feel good about something versus feel bad about something it's kind of moved towards what feels good and um you know it, it's sort of like pavlov's dog um on just sped up a bit with hypnosis um so yeah you know and and, and actually one thing i've really noticed with the, the the human mind uh and whether i'm working with other people or working with myself is it everything's relational you know like when, when you walk down the street and you have that random memory just like boom it, it just sidelines you and there's no real or re it might be because like a certain sound plays or there's a certain smell and a mixture and and then your mind starts to you know once again like neurons that wire together wire together mm -hmm. and we can have these like random memories and and once again like asking yourself the right questions where like i can think of all the times i've failed but i also can think of all the times i've succeeded mm -hmm. i have evidence for uh, you'd be surprised for anyone listening and struggling with something you have there's a good chance you have evidence where you've already behaved in a way that as if you didn't have the problem that you're dealing with right now um i've had problems like that certainly where i can actually walk myself back and be like you know what what about these times and it's evidence right like the the brain looks for evidence so when when we start to think that and as you said gratitude brings these things to the forefront that's that's like really it, it's it, it i know it's some difficult for some people especially people who are struggling where you know it's like you should be grateful i know that can feel like a bit of a slap in the face but i i think with working with clients sometimes it's like okay i'm not going to talk about why you should be grateful but let's do this little brain hack because i want you to feel good and i think gratitude is a, a massively important tool that i think more people should learn mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so important because it's not dismissing their experiences or their feelings, but it's also, you're also kind of like allowing them to, to kind of bear witness to things that they might not have noticed. Like you said, the whole sock thing, like the sock on the, the left foot thing, right? Making them aware of 
the good things rather than the why me things. Yeah. Well, I I think really that's that's the key change is it's not in a secret phrase or or something that I know. I mean, I mean, like I can give information all day, but it's with those within those as you said, like those person's experiences. I think when they really start to tap into that, that's when the identity, you know, you, when you make shifts on the identity level, the changes cascade at such a rapid pace. It, it, it's not, it's so crazy. You know, um, I, I would say even, you know, you, you could, to take a little more, maybe a met, metaphysical approach, if you want to observe the humanism or, you know, the spiritual being, you know, like our densest, most, restrictive level is the physical world right I, I mean like i can't move into five minutes ago i can't walk into next week i can be here and i can be now and and healing can take place there but you know mentally i uh, there's a little more malleability there i can think about tomorrow i can think about the past and i can be in the present and on a spiritual level the, the, when these so-called metaphorical densities become less and less when you change them on these higher levels you know they cascade down into the present and in such a way where it, it can be mind-blowing to see you know um because once again like you, you change that way you your inner world the, the outer world just it, it'll match within days hours i mean i've even seen it in minutes you know <laughs> hmm. that's so fascinating <laughs> that's so it's so hard to believe too because uh, you know, we've talked to other people, actually other people on the show too, that have said like, you know, as soon as I embodied this or as soon as I truly believed it or, or whatever, like it happened a few days later and it was instantaneous. And it's, I think it's, it's hard to kind of wrap your head around or hard to believe if you want to say believe without mm-hmm. having experienced it. But if you have experienced it, it's, it's like, it's mind, it's mind blowing, right? It's mind blowing. And you're like, how, how did I not know about this all along? How have I not been doing this all along? Like the shifts that can happen. Also the power of it. There's a power in letting go. I think too, when, when you trust the process Yeah. yeah. And, and, and there is something that I, I'm a pretty, I, I'm a bit, it's an understanding a bit of a scatterbrain like I'm, I'm very creative like i'm always jumping between like 20 different tracks and uh that can lead to a bit of disorganization in in my just life and like anyone we all misplace things i actually use self-hypnosis to find things and it and it works it's it's freaky so if anyone listening uh who, who knows self-hypnosis i try this out because it will scare you on how well it works yeah, and right, the I'm process. Right. So, so the process is this, like if I'm missing, let's say my, my keys and I have no idea, like I'm, you know, like, Oh, I always put them there, but they're not there. And you, you get that frustration going. What I do is I just sit down and I'll, I'll, when I'm alone in my, you know, in my house, I'll just say like, whatever hypnosis I'll chant out loud whatever I want to focus on hypnosis. I'm like kicking a bus somewhere. I'll just say it in my head. But what I'll say is like, I'm going to go in a trance and I'm going to find whatever the object is. And I will only come out of trance until I'm ready in my, like my unconscious knows. 
And I do that. And, you know, sometimes it's like a minute or two, sometimes it's 30 seconds. And I, you know, the better you get at self-hypnosis, the more in and out you can do and faster you can install things. But this is where it doesn't end. Because if you stop there, it really won't work. And I'll keep like walking around and looking for whatever item is. It's the second I give up and I go, okay, whatever. And that focus shifts to something else. My body will like get up without me being aware and walk over and grab. Like I was looking for headphones and I looked everywhere and um, I was walking this whole time. I was walking around my headset and my headset was on my exercise bike rather than on like my side table where it always is. And even though I tore port part of the whole area looking for it, I did that. And the second I banished that, you know, in, in a lot of like magical spiritual practices, there's that idea of banishing it. The second I gave up, I just walked over and grabbed it. Like, like before I, my hand just knew it was there. And my unconscious, once again, just knew it was there. Um, so really, once again, like that's, I think the, the most hyper real like expression of that trusting the process you know getting out there you know um meeting people you just never know what you're gonna find and and, and i think when you really trust that process and you start to use tools like these gratitude self-hypnosis you know um words of power building new neural networks in your brain the reality will just you know warp and bend and twist in, in really fun ways. Hmm. I have to say, I've definitely, I mean, I've not used that process before, but I've lost things or misplaced things and mm. thought, you know what? I'm just going to leave it. It'll turn up. Like I've been looking frantically for it. Everywhere. Like, where did I put it? I know I put it down here. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it and it'll turn up. And it Fair always enough. does. <laughs> my, 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 my little, my little self-hypnosis rituals, essentially that, but it's, it's just that on, on it's pouring jet fuel on the, the process it's it's uh but yeah i i, I highly recommend it. it it is a skill that i think that you know um i we should teach kids i, I think we should teach you know meditation things like that mm -hmm. um there's a lot of skills out there that not that everyone should should know you know like these the skills aren't as hypnosis is surprisingly easy to learn you know it's you'd be surprised you know you're never more than like a book or a dvd set away from learning about it so that's another thing i highly recommend people do you know and it seems like it's something that's so innate within us as humans like that mm -hmm. are connected to nature you know the energy around us it seems like it's something that's you know it's all tied into that and it's like we've lost it along the way and we've said this many times mm -hmm. as we've been recording how we've become so disconnected from mm -hmm. you know our ourselves and like our innate abilities because you know if everything that you are like all the benefits that hypnosis brings us are true and if, if it's so easy and and if everyone has accessibility to it right like if everyone can do it on their own then like to a degree then mm -hmm you know, then it is, it is important to us. Well, it, it's, really. and that, that is true. And and unfortunately, you know, like it, it can be used for ill. I, I'm not going to go on record being like, oh, it's mind control. Because if it was, if hypnosis was mind control, 
I'd be a very rich man. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it, it actually, you know, like if you consider smartphones, right? Like they, they hijack our focus and, and they um, feed on, they can f bring us into these negative thought loops. And, and uh, you know, like practicing, I think sanitary uh, social media use or even just taking breaks from it. Um, you know, like they, they want to keep you on the app as long as they, as long as possible and the, the, you'll you'll start to see you know like I, I try to set my like instagram stuff to like just for like local events for like music and then just stuff related to hobbies that i do whether that's art or or stuff related to hypnosis coaching like important stuff like that and, and when i see things that are just that would annoy me, you know, I, I can filter them out, but I, I know that it's trying to keep us locked in. And, um, you know, I think Nietzsche once said like, man is at his best when he's unconscious. And when it comes to flow state, you know, athletes um, know how to do it. And in fact, when, when athletes hit those slumps, it's when they get in their own way, when they don't know how to tap into those flow states. In fact, you know, some of the most, you know, best performances I've ever had. I'm not a sports person, but I even remember I entered a flow state in, I think like the eighth or ninth grade playing basketball, not athletic at all. And within about a minute, I scored like six or seven baskets and I wasn't thinking, and I, I, I don't have any athletic skill, but for some reason shifting into this like relaxed state of focus I was able to outmaneuver people who were much more skilled than I am. Hmm. And yeah, it, it's, it's fascinating, certainly a fascinating uh, aspect. And yeah, I, I, there, there are hypnotists who entirely focus on that flow state, um, whether it's for sports or business or, you know, it, it certainly is another branch of this massive tree of trans, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's how you get your mind in the game because it's so important for you to be so focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like have the right mindset. Well, you've given us a lot of really good advice, uh, a lot of really good information. But if you were to give our listeners like one piece of important advice, like leave them with something, mm -hmm. what would that be? Well, that's a tough one, but. <laughs> Uh, I, I already gave you all the good stuff, but I, I would really just say, you know, what if you're ready? Like, what if you are ready for that change? And I don't know what it is. And maybe you don't know either yet, but you might feel it. And if you felt that, how, how could you use that? How could you tune into that? And what would you notice over the, the coming days and weeks? And maybe it's a solution to a problem. Maybe it's a person you're going to meet. Um, maybe it's a song that's going to open up something. But something is going to happen. And if you really focus on my words, you're going to notice it. Because all you have to do is notice it and ask the right kind of question, how. So how are you going to notice it? So ask the how and not the why. Mm -hmm. mm. I like that. So, if listeners um, want to connect with you or learn more about hypnosis, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me on 
James Stephen Hypnosis uh, on Instagram, and my name Stephen is spelled uh, with a PH instead of a V. A v. And uh, you can also find me on Google if you type in James Stephen Hypnosis. You can find me um, on my, my page at uh, James Stephen Hypnosis CA, I believe. <laughs> Because, uh, oh, yep, it, it works. I went there. It works there. Yeah. So you, you can find me on there. And uh, on there is my personal contact number. So I tend to get back to you within an hour. A lot of times I tend to get back uh, if at worst a, a day. Uh, but yeah, feel free to shoot me a message uh, on Instagram if you have any questions or, you know, if you want to set up a consultation, uh, whether that's over Zoom, Google Hangouts, just a phone call, um, very flexible. And uh, yeah. Awesome. And we'll link everything in the show notes as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks. I, thanks I, for talking I had a, yeah, it was a pleasure, really. I, I had a lot of fun on this. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's it for our show today. Thanks for joining. Remember, you can always reach out to us on our socials, on Instagram at sisterhood underscore of underscore healing, or on TikTok at sisterhood of healing. We love to hear from you, so please reach out to us at any time. Thank you for journeying with us today. We'll see you next time.